Hello, welcome to today's episode of Boosting Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And welcome to the show. It is, um, as we're recording this, it is Wednesday, January 11th, about 5 p.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, you're listening to this tomorrow, of course. And um, I believe, I'll have to check later, but I believe this is our third consecutive episode in which Carlos Correa has signed with a new team. Which, um, wow. I, I think I can confirm that, and that's fucking insane. I mean, like, I don't fully have words to describe the situation. Now, fortunately, this should be the last time we say this because the stipulation in all three of these contract situations has been pending physical, which has been the hang-up um, with the Giants and the Mets situations. However, Carlos Correa passed his physical with the Minnesota Twins, so now it looks as though he is officially back with the Minnesota Twins. Just as wow. We all predicted. What a fucking ride, though. Um, so his deal his deal with the twins, let's talk about in a vacuum. And then let's talk about the de-escalation from where he started with the Giants down to where he is now with the twins. So sure. his deal with the with the twins is a six-year two hundred million dollar contract. So that's an AAV of 33 mil per season, right? Uh, the way it breaks out is as such. From 2023 to 2028, which is the term of the contract, he gets paid, you know, the $200 million. From there, there are a series of vesting options and like club options kind of thing um, that goes from 2029 all the way through 2032. So this deal has the possibility of becoming a 10-year contract, um, offering up an additional $70 million from the looks of it. So potentially 10 years, $270 million with um, a de-escalation salary for each additional vested year. So 2029, uh, it's $25 million 2030, it's twenty million dollars. Twenty thirty one, it's fifteen. Twenty thirty two, it's ten. Um, which is interesting. Which is basically, by the way, basically what I think I said the Mets should just do when we talked about this when the Mets were initially concerned. Just include a bunch of a bunch of options in there. Um. Which it seems to be what it is. So they're basically guaranteeing because the the if the idea is the his injury concern is long term, then the twins thing makes total sense. We don't think that this ankle issue, whatever it is, will affect you within the next six years to a degree mm-hmm. with which we are uncomfortable. But after six years, we're expecting this to become more of an issue. So we want you to play if you're healthy. But we're going to require some stipulations. Uh, those actual stipulations being, um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, either a number of plate appearances within the previous year, hovering around five hundred to five seventy-five, or a top five MVP finish in the previous year, a 
silver slugger in the previous year, league series MVP previous year, or world series MVP previous year. They, he just needs to hit one of those. And he gets his vesting option for the next year. Um, it's a lot of information. Corwin, tell me what you think. I wish he failed this physical so that we could keep the roulette wheel going. It is kind of fun. Everyone gets a turn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's time for a Popeye's gift card. Basically, I, what I saw in addition, which I, I can't find the tweet, but um, the Mets were willing to rework a deal with a similar length because they too had long-term questions about the ankle um but it was for a lower aav which at at the end of the day go get your money uh, um i'm very intrigued as to what minnesota is going to do now um cuz i did not quite have them in the let's start buying pieces and trying to contend group um pull up their roster well <sighs> interestingly enough they did have theoretically the budget to pay this exact amount of salary for carlos correa mm-hmm. uh, because as we all recall carlos correa had a three-year deal with the minnesota twins which included opt-outs and that was where he got this flexibility he all this he, he opted out of a contract had he chosen not to opt out, he would have been paid actually more. He would have been paid $35 million by the Twins this year. Wow. Instead, he is getting paid $33 million by the Twins this year. Uh, that's actually very funny. Gallo signed in cut. Minnesota. That is news to me, my friend. What? All right, so there. Yeah, look at that. $11 million. Line up. Luis Arias, Carlos Correa, Christian Byron Vasquez. Buxton, hmm. uh, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, Jose Miranda, Joey Gallo, Christian Vasquez, Nick Gordon. I see Kyle Garlick is here, but I believe he got DFA'd as the corresponding move for them signing Carlos Correa. Uh, sure. Alex Killeroff is on the roster as well. Haven't kept up with him, but I don't think he's living up to the former top five prospect. Yeah, wow, yeah, their rotation funny. is... <laughs> it's funny because we have said year in and year out that the AL Central is bad, and it takes it would take so little to win it. It's just up to whichever team feels like stepping up and actually spending really not that much money. If you consider mm-hmm. how much money the Twins have put into their team compared to league average um, payrolls, it's not a lot of money. As of right now, inclusive of the Carlos Correa contract, the Minnesota Twins have the 17th highest payroll in baseball at $103 million. It's not a lot of money. It, It really, really is not. And to that effect, like if you consider this contract, which is without any of the vesting options, a $200 million contract, but the, the Twins just signed against the fact that the White Sox just signed the biggest free agent contract in White Sox history 
and it was $75 million for Andrew Benintendi. The disparity between those two player qualities and dollar amounts is nuts to consider. And it puts the Twins in such a good position where they might very well be playoff contenders for as long as Carlos Correa is on this roster. Because he is so much better than like almost any other individual player in their division, barring Jose Ramirez. And that's worth its weight in like the dollar, every dollar that you spend in the AL Central goes significantly farther than every dollar you spend in basically every other division because it's so much easier to win that division when you spend money. If you spend a dollar in the AL East, it's an arms race. It's going to help. Like spending the money will help, but your return in terms of like wins in the win column might not be as high because you have to play the Yankees or or the Red Sox or the Orioles or whomever. Same thing with like the NL West. The NL West is a bloodbath. So you have to spend money to win, but every dollar you spend isn't going to net you as many wins because you have to go up against the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres. AL Central's got fucking nobody. Yes, the Guardians could be good, but what's their good mean? And how inflated is their win total because they play in a shitty division? So, I mean, really, this $33 million for Correa, wow, it's huge, huge for the Twins. <sighs> I uh, I still have low expectations for that team. I know they set the home run record a couple of years ago, or not the record, but led MLB. No, could they, they set the could record. They said, yeah, um, they did. You're right. What was the last headline they made outside of that one season? Uh, today. Well, actually, probably last year when they also signed Carlos Correa. <laughs> Touche. They have one move. It's signing Carlos Correa to deals, to weird, wacky deals. They found one move that worked, and they just yeah. try to keep doing it over and over Ride again. that out. Yeah, that and trading Donaldson to the Yankees is probably the two biggest things that organization has done in the past five years. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's funny. This is kind of like a kookier version of the Yankees resigning Judge, right? Like, yes, this is huge. It's great. Uh, it's a big money contract. It's a marquee player. But he was also just on your team last year. So it's tough to call it an improvement. But... What it does signal and what it does mean is that this position, this piece, this player is locked in so you can start adding from there. It's really the sign of we're not subtracting. And that has value too. This team will not be worse in roster construction than it was last year. And every additional year as we make improvements, we don't have to try to claw back the value we lost from letting walk Carlos Correa. We can now add on top of it. And they've got at least six years of that, which is amazing. Uh, they do need to figure out their fucking pitching, though, because it's very bad. Imagine the Guardians and the Twins combined to form one really good team. I think that's the best candidate for it. The hitting power of the Twins, the pitching prowess of the Guardians, and we form most of one most of the Dodgers, <laughs> almost one full Dodgers. Um. Anyway, speaking of the term of this contract, I guess let's talk about the walk to get there. 
because I was just talking about this with a coworker today. It feels like when you accept such a staggering amount of years less than what you had originally been offered and a and cut your contract value in almost half going from 350 million down to 200 million 13 years down to 6 it i know it, it doesn't mean this but it kind of feels like you're saying yeah my ankle's fucked <laughs> Like, this is a problem. I'm not going to disclose it because I don't have to. I'm not like, I don't know, obliged to do so. But I, yeah, yeah, it's a real big problem. I'm not even going to try to contest it. I mean, part of me feels like he did contest it to an extent because I know the Giants said that they were like wanted to work with him but didn't. Um, or we're too far apart, and then the Mets tried to work with him as well. I don't know if that's just Scott Boris not wanting to work with teams that are trying to renegotiate, um, which he famously does not. Yep. I don't know, man. Uh, what's there even to admit if we don't even know what the issue is, other than there's something that people think is wrong well i guess that's really what it is it is it's tough it's a weird position to be in because it feels like when you're so adamant as a player's manager that your player is in good health and deserves the contract that you have negotiated for them manager or agent sorry you talking about okay agent i was talking about boris yeah um I'm sure Carlos has been relatively insulated from this, but you know what does that doesn't matter. Um, so you walk away from the deal, right? Because you are adamant that it it is fine. Otherwise, it would have been an issue earlier in his career. It would be an issue now, and we would have settled for less. We see players that have injury histories or have you know wonky seasons understand that and take shorter deals, take prove it deals. I mean, that was what Correa's last deal was. No one misjudged Correa for taking the three-year deal with the Twins because it was an extremely high AAV. Um, it included player options every single year. He was coming off of some back concerns and seemed to remediate them by playing basically an entire full season. Um, so, you know, but anyway, Boris walking away from the Giants to take one year less with the Mets, it's kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, the dollar amount is still there. You know, the AAV nudged down like I think like one million dollars per year or something like that. Like it was it was an insignificant two million bucks, like it was an insignificant amount of money for contracts. And so you go, okay, yeah, maybe this isn't an issue. The Giants are just being babies, which they got dragged for. This though six years you had you had the offer of 13 and there was so much concern you went down to 6. Again, Curry doesn't owe an explanation to anybody. It's his fucking body. He's a baseball player, not like a I don't know, government sponsored person whose body matters for humankind's continuation. It doesn't, it doesn't matter for us. You know what I mean? My life is not living and dying by Carlos Curry's ankle's health. Um but it is it, it feels to me like it's like a 
yeah, this is going. This will be an issue on every physical. So I'm taking what I can get. It feels like a weird number because it's not six? enough to be. A, yeah, like six is very weird. It's not enough to be a prove it deal. It's not something where he's going to go out and show the short term viability. But it's also, I mean, he's going to be what thirty four without you know the team options included. He will That's finish just... the contract on his age thirty three season. Really? Yes. Yeah, twenty twenty eight will be his age thirty three season. Oh, he's turning twenty four at the end of the season. Okay, or thirty four. Oh my god, Carlos Correa yeah. and I are the same age. That makes me feel so yeah. weirdly old. Wow, we yeah. were born. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks apart. Oh yep. man, I don't like it. I don't know if, it, if this is something Live. that's known, and it, and even if he doesn't have any issues over the next six years outside of you know the regular wear and tear of playing baseball, what kind of contract is he expecting to get at age thirty four? Well, that that's kind of what what makes this. Uh, galaxy brain contract from the um the twins because if he's thirty four and in good health, he's hitting at least the um plate appearance threshold for the vesting option of twenty twenty nine, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, then he's getting five hundred seventy five plate appearances, so. Yeah. And as long as he is healthy enough to continue hitting his plate appearance numbers, which 575 is 100 lower than his his average, his his 162 game average. Um, but he doesn't play be, ever 162 games. He's only hit that number three times in his career. He's Seasons. crossed it three times. Yes. Uh, granted, 2020 is one of the years in which he did right. not hit it. So we had to kind of throw that out of the conversation. So then it, of the seven years that are not shortened seasons, he has missed that mark four times and crossed that mark uh, three times. So it, it it is certainly well within the possibility for him to do so. However, if he does not reach that threshold, and like you said, he's 34, Showing signs of age. I mean, I think we're looking at a prime candidate to get a weird uh, two-year deal with the Rays to get a a slightly less money than you expected three-year deal to play with a team who's really good. Maybe the Astros are still amazing by that point. Uh. I don't know. Maybe medical science progresses to the point that he's the bionic man. It's all very possible. Man, he already has 40 war in his career. He's he's going to, if he can stay healthy through the length of the first six years of this contract, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But he's a cheater. Uh, doesn't matter, baby. We he's will going to the Hall of see Fame, how that falls. Um, man. Real quick, for reference, I just looked up Mike reference. Trout, and he. Do you know how much war he has already? Mike Trout. Yeah. Isn't it like seventy-five? 
82.4. Yeah, what an asshole. I love him so much. It's so fucking stupid. I just want to say real real quick, um, baseball references, Carlos Correa's nicknames listed as the captain, which is not his nickname. Get out of here. Um, show Rea, like show a portmanteau of show and Correa, which is horrible. Uh, and then I am Groot, which how on earth I've never heard. I've never heard Sharia, but it's like, all right, that's specific to Correa because it's his last name. So what? maybe I missed it. Who fucking cares? How did you get the nickname? I am Groot. Who did that to you? I have a lot of issues with the Marvel Cinematic the... Universe. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, but like the nicknames that baseball reference assigns. I don't like, think they assign them. Aaron Judge. Well, they have to put them on there. I looked up Aaron Judge. The Judge. That's his nickname. Bum bum. All Rise. Never heard anyone refer to Aaron Judge as All Rise. Um, I have. B-A-J. Yeah, his first name is uh, something with a B. I forget. Aaron is his middle name. Uh and then they have Arson Judge on here, which is fucking <laughs> awesome. Love it. Um, That'll be such a great tidbit of information for someone in like 15 years who's going back and looking at Aaron Judge's page to look at and be like, holy shit, did, did Aaron Judge commit arson at some point? Yeah, they're well. No, what? they're going to be like, oh, he must have been uh, on fire. They're going to try to retrofit a, a cool reason for the nickname, and then it'll just come down to John Heyman tweets where he makes a fucking ass of himself, like every John Heyman tweet. Oh, dude, if you click on like the link for the nicknames, it takes you to a page of every player's nickname and baseball reference. It's funny you said this because I just did the exact same thing. Yes. What the fuck? Yeah. All right, give me a Bobby Abreu's El Comdulce La Leche. What? Give me a random name. I, uh, Don. I don't know. Wait, hold on. This guy named Colonel Snover. His name is Colonel Snover? Born, his name is Colonel Snover. And he was born in 1895. His nickname was Bosco. I was really hoping he was a 90s player who was really into Seinfeld, but that is unfortunately not the case. I would like to shout out Joe Adams, who was born in 1877 and has a career in negative 0.3 war, <laughs> whose nickname is Wagon Tongue, but wagon like a covered wagon. Not wagging like you are wagging your tongue. Wagon tongue. Also, shout out to Lane Adams, who I really thought was going to be black and is not. He's a white boy. Lane Adams, whose nickname is L.A. Swiftness. And if, you're, if your name is Lane Adams and your nickname is L.A. Swiftness, I, I'm kind of expecting you to be black. And I'm like really disappointed that this is a white boy. Lou Skizis. The no. Nervous Greek? The Nervous Greek? Why? All right, hold on. I'm dying to know how... I do love Cor- Kyle Seeger is Corey's brother. That's fucking... 
fantastic. I am dying to know why Tim Edelman's nickname is the microwave. How how do you he earn heats the up quick. the microwave? He heats up quick, man. That's oh, you know what? That's gotta be it. Cause you know what? He is no, he's not a reliever. He's a starter. Damn. Never mind. Johnny Smith, Bear Tracks. Bear Tracks. It sounds like a, a coffee blend. Max Scherzer, or, uh, granola. Mad Max, Blue Eye, Brown Eye. Okay. Sure. Too many guys nicknamed Buck and Lefty. That's just Ray Shulk. Cracker. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Apparently, Brandon Lau's nickname is Bam Bam. Don't think sure. so. Harry Schaefer, Silk Stockings. Okay. So, uh, I am also dying to know the story behind this. Red Lucas, who was born in 1902, career 44.7 war, played uh, the majority of his career with uh, the Cincinnati Reds in the 30s, 20s and 30s. His nickname is the Nashville Narcissus. Uh, Dying to know how you earned the name. The nickname of the, the Greek myth of Narcissus. Because you'd think then this must be one sexy man. It's not. This is one ugly 1930s ass white guy. Go figure. Are you familiar with Olmedo Sinai's? Never heard that name in my life. Uh, Where do you go? Come back. Come back. His nickname, The Killer Tomato. Oh, it's beautiful. I'm going to just look up a word. Give me a word. No. I looked up uh, pussy, and there's no one nicknamed pussy. Don't judge me for my choice of words. RR Cool J for Ricky Romero. Dig it. <laughs> uh, Les Peden, his nickname is Gooch. Shout out to Gooch. Shout out to Gooch. All right, last last one for me, and then I'm ready to move on. Um, Barney Pelty from Farmington, Missouri, who was uh, born in 1880. His nickname is the Yiddish Curver. He was a pitcher, what? so it must be in reference to his his curveball. And I, the man, must be Jewish. Uh, but yes, the Yiddish Curver, Barney Pelty. <laughs> Bill Dickey, the man nobody knows. It's true. Uh, Nelson Cruz signed a one-year deal with the San Diego Padres. I saw. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm very excited for that. Are you really? That's about, I mean, for a million bucks, what is the worst that could happen? Pretty sure he's getting paid than paid less than Robinson Cano is getting paid from the Padres. So 
Why not? I believe he's making $250,000 more than Robinson Cano is from the Padres. Regardless, it cannot be less than 25% better. So, um, yeah, it doesn't hurt to take a flyer. Not have he, he is, um, at best your replacement Luke Voigt, and at worst, your replacement Eric Hosmer. Yeah, like if he has to be in a timeshare with Matt Carpenter, I'm very much okay with that. Um, are there any milestones that he is in danger of hitting? He's already passed 2,000 hits and is nowhere near any other milestone involving hits. Um, He's 33 home, home runs. runs away from 400. So if he hits 33 nope. donkers, which he has not done since nope. 2012. Oh, sorry. If he hits I was 41. At, I'm sorry. I was looking at his doubles. My mistake. I was looking yeah. at his doubles. Yeah, he hits 41 home runs, like you said. Yeah, which he did in 2019. But that was peak juiced ball era. Um, He could get there, though. If he has two more years in him, he could get there. And plays... Wow, he had 448 at-bats and 10 home runs. Time has caught up. It's also a tough division. And he has no protection in Washington last year. We'll have plenty of protection in San Diego. Condoms galore. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's nickname. pivot off Boomstick. of baseball. Um, there, there's other things in the world of baseball to talk about. Trevor Bauer got DFA'd. Um, but whatever, we'll you know leave it for another time. Uh, because instead we have football shit to talk about. Because this Saturday. Uh, uh, just a mere couple days away starts the playoffs, starts wild card weekend, which they're calling super wild card weekend from, from what I've been hearing. And I got that last year, but it felt super compared to previous wild card weekends. And now this is just what wild card weekend is supposed to be. So stop calling it super wild card weekend. There's no other wild card weekend. It's like what Nintendo did with Super Mario Brothers. First game was Mario Brothers, and then they made them Super, and you can't really back away from Super. Yeah, now the Super, now they're Super forever. Um, so the uh, conclusion of last week's games to just to tie up the um the playoff standings of it all, the Jaguars ultimately ended up winning their showdown against the Titans. So the Jaguars won the AFC South at nine and eight. Uh, the Titans ultimately fell to seven and ten. The Dolphins beat the Jets, and the Patriots lost to the Bills, and which put the Dolphins in. The Steelers did also win their matchup against the Browns. However, with the Dolphins winning against the Jets, it earned the Steelers a um, winning record yet again, but did not gain them entry into the playoffs. So the Dolphins snagged the last available wild card spot. Uh, in the NFC, Ooh. the Bucks won their division, which I think I already said with a losing record, but they did win their division. And the last wild card spot was snatched up by the Seahawks as um, the Detroit Lions ended up beating the Green Bay Packers to put them at eight and nine. The Lions also finished at nine and eight. However, on tiebreakers, the um, spot goes to the Seahawks. So our full playoff picture. Bump it up. 
Uh, actually, I guess let's do it by matchup. That'll probably be the more fun way of doing it. Probably makes more sense. Uh, first game, first game, Seahawks Niners. Uh, the Niners will still be starting Brock Purdy, so we got that. Um, and then the Seahawks are still rolling with Geno Smith. So who do you got in that matchup? Uh, I think San Francisco is going to win big. Um, I love what Geno Smith has turned into. If you asked me that week one, I was so, so polar opposite. But Geno Smith is great, but the San Francisco defense is just playing on another planet right now. Brock Purdy has been wildly effective in the Shanahan system. Um, offensively, defensively, I just don't think the Seahawks can really contend. What would you do if I told you at the beginning of the season that Geno Smith would set the single-season passing record with the Seattle Seahawks? Um, I would have asked, what has caused you to finally delve into the world of drugs and alcohol? I had to, when I saw that I had to look up Russell Wilson's stats page because I refused to believe there wasn't a season where he threw over forty three hundred yards because you know Smith it's not like he threw five thousand yards this year he threw forty two hundred eighty two yards which is plenty and in an extended season you know um, Russ never had the seventeen game season but yeah Russell Wilson's biggest year by yards was 2016, 20, 42, 19. Which is like, you know, he's got four 4,000-yard seasons. But with 10 years in Seattle and the impression I had of Russ, I would have assumed he crossed 4,000 yards like every year. And uh, not the case. I was genuinely surprised about that earlier in the week. Um, Yeah, I would also pick the Niners, but I think, I hope, this is going to be a really good matchup. This is one of the those games where if there is to be an upset, I think it'll be a, a compounding amount of... So there's some upsets that aren't fun where an obviously bad team wins in an upset and then unsurprisingly gets dumped on in the following round. And you're like, well, yeah, I mean, this is what we all expected. And we lost out on a better matchup. I do feel like if there is an upset to be had here with the Seahawks advancing, then they'll probably put up a good fight in the following week as well. So I'm I'm hopeful that this is a an inspiring matchup. Uh, anyway, after that, uh, we have fuck. I navigated away from the page and now it doesn't exist. Okay, there it is. Um, Chargers Jacksonville. Who do you got there? Uh, uh, my uh, brain. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> my brain is telling me the Chargers, my soul, is telling me Jacksonville. They're playing at home. They have been one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Five straight wins, I think they're on. Um, defense is playing very good. Offense behind Trevor Lawrence is really good. And as great as Justin Herbert's been, the team surrounding him has been less than great and uh they have not had a good end of season postseason record over his career and chargers forever um so 
I want to go Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to go Chargers here because fuck Jacksonville. I'm salty they made it. I wanted them to miss it because the Jets also missed it. And I feel like we should suffer together as a franchise, as two franchises. And they've betrayed my trust in that way. Um, plus, I th- I think the Chargers are... Uh, uh, I just think they're the bad team. Fuck them. Sure. Uh, here's an interesting one for you. Get this. Have you heard about this? Uh, Minnesota <laughs> against the Giants. Damn it, Jay. <laughs> Minnesota, New York. Um, a matchup that just occurred at the tail end of the regular season as the Vikings narrowed out, eked out a victory against the Giants. Um, they are, they're back at it. Rematch. Um, uh, yeah, the Vikings won 27 to 24. So again, real close game. Um, this one was, that game was at my, was at Minnesota. This game will also be at Minnesota. Um, what what is there to say? What do you how do you uh, who do you got? Man, it just might as well be a coin flip, right? Like the Giants are a team, average team playing far above their talent level cumulatively, um, because of great coaching and just efficient offense. Upside down question mark. Um, meanwhile, Minnesota yeah. is or was playing wildly above their talent level because of black magic. Um, this is really a rock and a hard place of teams that just want to disappoint. So coin flip. I, yeah. I feel like while the Giants have made some improvements as the season has gone on, Daniel Jones has shown that he has the ability to to at least stretch out his successes over the course of a single regular season. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has also, you know, stepped up in a huge way as the season has gone on. Um, Saquon Barkley's been healthy. I think none of it compares to just Jeffries, though. Um while Daniel Jones has improved, he's not yet been to, and I can't believe I'm about to say it, the level of Kirk Cousins, especially this year, where he's decided to be finally worth his contract. Um, They are firing on all fucking cylinders, man. And I know a lot of Giants fans are going to talk themselves into this game being a coin flip because they barely lost the last game. I think you lucked into barely losing the last game. I think you're getting stopped this game. Mm-hmm. And I say that as a guy who has been rooting for the when when the Jets and the Giants are not playing each other, I'm rooting for the Giants. Like they they're they're the second home team for me. I I have no ill will towards them. I root for them every single year. So it's not hate, man. It's not hate. They're going down, bro. Like it's not going to be good. Um but if they advance, then we're we're making our memes into dreams, baby. <laughs> like they gotta go to yeah. the Super Bowl. <laughs> if they advance, they, they that's it. They're going to the Super Bowl. I I think both of these teams. Uh, who who would they play? In the I guess it would depend on if seating. The, if the Giants advanced past this round, they would play uh, whoever Philly doesn't play. Or Philly doesn't play? 
Yeah. So Philly gets the lowest seed, which actually, so I, Giants. Or unless the Seahawks Seattle, yeah, yeah. So um, basically, if, if Seattle wins, then the Giants play whoever the winner is of Dallas Tampa. If the Seahawks lose and the Giants win, the Giants are playing Philly. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I don't think it matters. I think they're going to get the shit beat out of whoever they play next. You know, it'd be funny is if the Giants won and the Seahawks won. So the Giants would be playing like Tampa. Uh, actually, Giants probably against Dallas. Tom Brady. Probably Dallas. I, I'd actually. Well, I guess we'll talk about it in a second. One of those two teams. And I feel like yep. the Giants could weird out a victory. And then if imagine if you would, the Seahawks beating the Eagles, which would give the Giants the easier route in the NFC championship game. Uh, it'd be kind of fun. I'm just saying. I, I don't have high hopes for the Giants making it past the Vikings, but <laughs> if they did, it would lead to some potentially very fun results. Um. Anyway, let's bounce back over to the AFC. Cincinnati against Baltimore. What? Yep. Oh, I guess he is old as shit. 78. Yeah, I shouldn't be that surprised. My first thought was actually of Beck, not Jeff Beck. I was much more surprised. Um, No, Jeff Beck being dead makes a lot more sense. Damn. What a great fucking guitar player. Who, Beck? Wow. Jeff Beck. Well, both Becks. But Jeff Beck. I gotta go listen to my Yardbirds records later. What a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Um, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Uh, Cincinnati. If... Our boy Lamar Jackson ain't ready. I don't think the Ravens have a chance. I can't believe the Ravens have won enough games to be here only because I don't think I can tell you much about how they did this year. Such a weirdly quiet 10 win season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, probably because their quarterback's been hurt for a while. Um, Close yep. wins, you know. Lamar Jackson's know, played in 12 of the 17 games. His yeah. last appearance was week 13 against Denver. Um, yeah. Since then, weeks 14 through 18, uh, the Ravens have gone two and three, losing to the Browns, the Steelers, and the Bengals besting the Steelers and the Falcons. Um, winning against the Falcons is nothing to brag about. Yeah, I don't know. It, it Honestly, it kind of feels like it doesn't matter here. The, the Bengals aren't quite, I think, the powerhouse we want them to be yet. Like, 12-4 and four is an amazing record. Like, I'm not trying to shit-talk their performance this year. But it hasn't quite felt like the sheer domination I think I want out of them yet. But they're like they're on the cusp of it, and it yeah. kind of feels like it doesn't matter which wild card team you put here. We're picking the Bengals. 
I think they're one really good play caller away from being that powerhouse, though. Like they are. They need close. their RP enemy. Yeah, like Zach. What's his fucking name? Zach Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, he fucking sucks, man. Like they need to get rid of him this season. Hey, we'll give you guys Matt Lafleur. Do you want him? I don't. I don't want Matt Lafleur on my team anymore. Uh, I'm done with that guy. They can have Matt Canada. Collect all the discarded mats. Matt Patricia, he probably needs a job. Matt Patricia looks like a Midwestern barber that decided to try to coach. That man's beard is pristine. But, like, also, you can't coach this team. Get out of here. Hmm. You you old white man connectioned your way into a job. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're picking the Bengals there, then. Uh, Last matchup of the NFC side, Tampa against Dallas. This is kind of a weird matchup because both teams have had kind of weird seasons. Tampa massively underperforming from expectations, finishing the year with, again, a losing record, the first losing record of Tom Brady's entire career, um, but still eking out a victory in the NFC South because of it, it's a very weak division. The The Cowboys have had a strange year because Dak Prescott was down for a good chunk of the season, much like Lamar Jackson. Cooper Rush had to step in, and Cooper Rush ended up playing really well. Went four and one. Dak Prescott eight and four. So the majority of their losses are on him. A ton of interceptions, 15 interceptions on 28 touchdowns. Sorry, 23 touchdowns. So I mean, far from the ratio that you're expecting. Uh, but despite the kind of wacky quarterback play, and um, you know, not having the greatest running back room. Although Tony Pollard, um, a hundred sorry, a thousand yards. Zach Prescott, eight hundred seventy-five yards. Nobody outside of those two dudes. The third leading rusher is Dak, who missed five games of the season. Um, they went twelve and four. Sorry, twelve and five. They, they had they had they had a good year, and so it's two teams that have kind of been on up weird ups and downs. Their records, not necessarily indicative of the struggles that they had. Um, it's an interesting matchup. Who would you take? Uh, I think offensively, the Cowboys are going to kind of run around Tampa Bay. And as much as, what we've learned over the past 22 years in regards to don't ever bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I just don't think that team is the same complete team that he won a Super Bowl with. I just think they've got just weaker all around at a lot of at multiple key positions. And I just don't think Tom is going to be able to force it like I'm sure he is going to. In the fourth quarter, like his lips on his son's face, like his tongue yeah. down his mm-hmm. son's throat. Mm-hmm. Can't force it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady has tasted his son's tonsils. Oh, Jesus, that one. Oh, <laughs> no. Don't like. 
Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't have a good true prediction, so I'm going to go with the heart. And what the heart wants is Tom Brady to like lose an eyeball on the field. Like, I'm sick of this man. I, I want him not to get hurt, but I want him to have a terrible game. Like, I want a 89-yard three interception, no touchdowns, hold in the fourth quarter performance. You know, like I want it to be ugly. Ugly. That Georgia TCU game, give me that. But more embarrassing on specifically the part of the quarterback. Yeah, God, I hate Tom Brady, man. I'm so, so and the thing that makes him so easy to hate, especially in big high profile games, is he is such a bitch when stuff doesn't go his way. Like he behaves exactly like somebody you want to hate would behave when they're not getting their way. He pouts and he's a diva. He's a huge diva in the way that lots of wide receivers get pegged for being divas you know, trying to get certain calls and DPIs and whatever. That's Tom Brady, like all the time. Um, So when it's, you know, when, when the game isn't breaking in his favor or when he's having a bad game, when he has a bad game, he acts like somebody's doing it to him, which makes it so much fun to root against him. So fuck him. Uh, last fuck matchup is the AFC matchup, Buffalo, Miami. Fitting that this is last because it feels like there's nothing to fucking say. Uh, Miami is officially starting Skylar Thompson because Tua Tagovailoa is not cleared yeah. concussion protocols. Uh, they're interestingly not starting Teddy Two Gloves, but I he's also hurt. I is that why I was going to say I thought he was healthy last week. Um, I mean they barely scraped together. The offense only scraped together nine points against the Jets. The Bills are a lot better than the Jets. I yeah. say that as a Jets fan. Nine points. You're got, you're, you're, you guys are going to get fucked in the butt. It's, it's going to be ugly. It's like, why even devote the time to talk about the matchup of Josh Allen versus Skylar Thompson? This, it's a no contest. It's not going to be a game. Um, yeah, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, great offense, but what the fuck do you expect Skylar Thompson to be able to do? Yeah, I was about to say, I hope this is an afternoon game and not a primetime game. It is. It's, 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 it's Sunday. One game. Game. Yeah, yeah. As it deserves to be. Mm-hmm. This does not deserve an 8 p.m. time slot or 6 p.m. I think it's the. No, 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 no. Sunday. It's the one thing the NFL does right. Um, money. Money and Interesting that the um, Bengals-Ravens is the primetime game on Sunday and not Giants-Vikings. I probably would have picked Giants-Vikings. Uh, I would have picked Ravens-Bengals. Division matchup. If Lamar plays, that would be you know the best game of the weekend. Um, even if he doesn't, Huntley is you know not a terrible backup. Uh, I think that's probably going to be one of the better games all around. But if I I probably would have picked the Giants because of an East Coast bias that I hold per, near and dear. Fuck you guys. 
the great state of New Jersey is what this show is all about. Let me tell you about New Jersey, folks. Schwartz and Sopranos. It's the best goddamn state in the fucking country. It is the best goddamn state in New Jersey. It's the best state in the county. Um, it's it's exciting shit. I look forward to it every year. It is um, you know, single elimination, which means the stakes are high. Because of the nature of Wildcard Weekend and its extension in the past couple of years, it inherently feels a little bit thinner of a competitive nature. You know, like, I don't think most of these are going to be necessarily close games, but um, it is a perfectly suitable amuse-bouche for next next week. Um, when, <laughs> suck a dick is basically what that translates to, you fucking loser. Um, it, you know, next week we get Kansas City and Philadelphia thrown in the mix, which will be really exciting. And then, you know, the teams that we expect to move on from here, who should be moving on, will you know lead to good matchups against each other. You know, Minnesota San Francisco would be a super interesting game. Uh, Buffalo Cincinnati would be a super cool game. You know, so, so there's honestly even Kansas City and and the Chargers would be a really cool game. You know, there there are. Promising matchups on the horizon this week. Just settle into enjoying the fact that there is six, six playoff games to tantalize um, the senses this weekend. Uh, Corwin, I know you got to run. Anything else before we get out of here? Um, Mike Tomlin secured a winning season, and that is all we really need to talk about. Uh, on this podcast so old news uh, he does it every year it's not true. even he impressive does, he does do it every year uh, i will say um after starting two and six and three and seven uh tomlin is the real fucking deal like he first hall of famer oh without question um i just i do not understand uh outside of racism why steelers fans hate him so much or are so quick to say uh fire the fuck out of him um who, who? I want you to answer this. Of the coaches in the NFL, head or you know coordinators, who would you want to replace him with? Who, who would be an improvement? Yeah, it's stupid. The Steelers fans are the same as a certain segment of Yankees fans, right? Because it's like I saw Steelers fans. I didn't notice it until you pointed out. I saw Steelers fans complaining about the fact that the team hasn't won a playoff game in six years. First time since like the 50s that the Steelers haven't won a playoff game in six years. You have not had a losing record in six years. The fact that you haven't won a playoff game, have gone, but haven't won a playoff game in six years, probably means you should be screaming at your GM for roster construction or... Your uh, position coordinators, your off, your coordinator, like you know, Matt Canada, and not the man who's been dragging this team, kicking and screaming to the fucking playoffs every fucking year. In even the years when he doesn't, it's a winning season. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. <sighs> People just can't be happy with success. Mike Tomlin's so fucked. Do you know what I would give? To have Mike Tomlin be the head. I like Robert Sala. What would a lot. you give? 
Um, if you were you, if you were the Jets GM, what would you offer the Steelers for a trade? One Corwin Heller and all of his internals. Oh, I like my <laughs> internals. Sacrificed on the on the top of MetLife like a like a like a mine ritual, as though it was the Harvest Festival. Touché. Yeah. There you go. Uh, for real though, I have no idea. A lot. Yeah, m- m- more than one should. Actually, speaking of which, uh, Sean Payton got granted uh, approval to be interviewed by the uh, the the Broncos, um, via from the Saints. Even though Sean Payton is retired, mm. I guess he still owns the, the Saints still own the contract. They do, but yeah. the Saints would have to trade Payton to the Broncos, and apparently the Saints are looking for like a first round pick, which would which be they don't have. Yeah, I was just saying, like, given given the Broncos' current position in 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 drafting, oh, ooh, it's gonna be tough to leverage your future that much, that fast. Two washed up people from their positions, apparently. Anyway, let's let's get you out of here. Uh, if you want to follow the show. On Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, we hope maybe uh, y'all have a good